0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now.
1: Before we get started with another great edition of the Douglas Rasslin podcast, I do want to let you know, Zencaster.com. That's right, Zencaster.com. They are, without a doubt, my favorite website, to head over to for all of these great conversations that you hear on the Duke Loves Wrestling Podcast. Superior quality of, and sound. Also, they have a great uh, video option as well if you need to record your videos. But the best part about it is the files are all split separately into MP3s. So you can edit them separately. You can put them together. Do whatever you got to do. The main idea is ZenCaster. ZenCaster.com. That's Z E N C A S T R. For all of your podcasting, video conferencing, even if you just wanted to uh, have a great conversation with your loved ones, all your needs there online for communication, ZenCaster has you covered. That's right. Welcome to a special edition of the Duke Loves Wrestling Podcast, the show about pro wrestling and everything else. You know, I wonder about something here. When we think about pro wrestling fans, right, what comes to mind initially? Come on. You know you have some sort of stereotypical view of what a pro wrestling fan looks like. What's interesting, and, and certainly you listeners of the Duke Loves Wrestling podcast, you are a prime example. The actual community, the actual fan base is far more diverse than what your typical stereotype would suggest. But rather ju- than just me saying it, I'm going to prove it. On this episode, this special edition episode, I have a fantastic pro wrestling fan who is also a leader in her community. She is a corporate professional, and most importantly, she's a mom. Her journey through her pro wrestling fandom and why she views the industry the way that she does, why does she love pro wrestling so much, you're going to hear all about that and then some. So without further ado, check out my conversation with Mimi.
0: My name is Mimi. I am a mother of one. I absolutely, absolutely adore and love my son. He is everything to me. We've been trucking through this for the past 18 years together, just him and I. So yes, I'm a single mom. I am a career administrative assistant who has now transitioned into the project management world as an EA for the past maybe 21 to 22 years. I've never taken my role as just being an assistant. I've always wanted to be an individual contributor to the business, to the business that I'm supporting. And um, it's not just pushing paper. It's about understanding what my department and the organization holistically, what we do and what our priorities are and what our goals are for the year. And just being super mindful of making sure that, as me being a part of the team, I need to understand that I need to contribute as well um, to to various capacities. So I've never really had a traditional role. I'm really excited about what you know the future holds. Right now, for um, the world, I feel like we've gone through so much. And during that, during the pandemic and during that time, education has always been the number one feeler for me. However, during the pandemic, you know, it, it forced me to really, really deep dive and get into what, you know, my son was learning and, and how he was learning. And, uh, you know, by the end of the, the towards the, the second wave of our pandemic, I decided that, you um, I noticed that there were gaps in our educational system within my town. I live in the town of Fort Lee, and um, I wanted to be a part of um, helping to fix those gaps. We have a large community of, of, of parents that care that um, want better for our kids, and so uh, you know, sometimes you got to you, you you know you can have an opinion but being a part of the solution, uh, was very important to me at that time. Um, my son was going to be a, uh, senior junior. He was a junior about to be a senior. And, um, although I was coming out of the, the, the school district, I felt like that was the, was the time for me to really get into, um, my experience and the experiences of what other people have told me, um, hearing those parents and, and, and being their advocate. Um, and so, you know, I went through the elementary stage, I went through the middle school stage and now I'm in the high school stage. I personally felt like I had the voice to say, you know, I've not lived in this town my whole life. However, I've gone through the cycle, the educational cycle with my son. So he is now generationally a Fort Lee townie, so to speak. And so I can speak to our experience and what he has gone through. And so for me, when I think of, when you think of me, you think of advocacy, you think of positivity, you think of a mom. And I'm also a wrestling fan. My son has, was a wrestling fan, you know, uh, when he was little, usually at the age of 13. The kids start teetering off of wrestling and i said uh i had stopped watching wrestling for a while so during that uh at not really the attitude area because i think that's when he was born and i started watching uh i started watching monday night raw uh every time i put him to bed however when he got a little bit older he started watching wrestling john cena was his absolute favorite and we started watching raw together He then went away to camp one summer for four weeks. I was, we would write letters to each other and I would write him every single week. I would write him on Mondays what happened. Then I would write him on Thursdays what happened after SmackDown on Thursdays. That's when it was, it used to air. Um, And I would mail it off and I would keep him abreast. But when he came back, he was so into sports. He was playing lacrosse. He was playing football. He was playing baseball. He was playing every single sport that he was wrestling he was playing all these sports he wasn't interested anymore he just wanted to play sports so I was left by myself so now I'm this mom boy wrestling fan so that's Mimi and I like to write I love to write as well um, I find my I, I find myself uh, I used to write short stories as a as a little girl and um, now I write in wrestling magazines. Um, I, I just got featured in uh, Feifel's, uh print magazine that should be coming out soon. And I have another feature coming out um, next month. They invited me to write again. And um, I'm really excited. And, yeah, that's me.
1: Well, Mimi, you're a pretty dynamic person. And I love it. I love that. I was just rambling. <laughs> well, no, no. This is you. This is who you are. This is who you're presenting to the world. And what I love about that is that you're not you're not afraid to express the fact that you are multifaceted and you lead with the things that are most important to you, starting with your family, Yep, which that is just so refreshing and and so beautiful. Your son is, is very important to you, huh?
0: You know, when I knew that I was going to go through this journey by myself, I was f- like, I was afraid because we don't get a playbook, right? However, I knew that I could do it because I saw my mom do it. I saw my sisters do it, you know, my aunts and my cousins. So I knew that I had the support, and, but I knew important, like I, I knew that I could do it by myself even if I didn't have the support. And I was excited about it from the very beginning. I've never been like, oh my God, what am I, like I never freaked out. He's like, I I saw this clip on uh, Twitter the other day where Denzel said, a mother is a son's first love and a son is a mother's last love. And it hit home because now he's 18 and he's officially an adult. And, when you really think about that he couldn't even take like he couldn't even like compose himself because i think you know he came to a realization about his mom because i i want to say that his mom probably was a single mom and so for me i never let the single aspect of being a mom define who i was i always thrived to better my education better my career not only for me but with my son in mind because i know that if i'm okay he's going to be okay. and so my 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 only fear is everything that i'm doing everything i'm exuding out into the world does he see that? does he see community service? does he see all of that? so that's why it's so important that when you have kids they have to be your fourth like they have to be your number one in your forefront because that's i feel like that is your replication that is your work out in the world does that make sense
1: it makes perfect sense and, and i i love that it makes it makes absolutely perfect sense there what is it about pro wrestling What? why has that been a bonding device there for the both of you
0: so um pro wrestling so so that we have two bonding experiences that it's like Stop, drop, and roll type situation. When when a drop comes out, me and my son will sit together and we'll try to get whatever kicks we need to get with however many phones that we need to get. So that's our thing. I grew up as a sneakerhead and that and and a a music lover, and he also emulates those characteristics. Um, I was nine years old watching Hulk Hogan the iron cheek um andre the giant macho man i mean larger than life superstars on a saturday afternoon with my uncle and my brother-in-law and i was enamored and i every saturday we watched wrestling until i think I want to say eighth grade when I was about to graduate and go into high school. Cause in high school, you know, I was all over the place. It was about boys and hanging out with my friends and going to the mall. Like that was what that was about. But I have just been so like, it's just, it's another world It takes you away from everything, everything that you're going through during the week during in your life or whatever, even if you're not going through much, this pro wrestling just completely blocks it all out. And I think for those that kind of left it a little bit, that got tired of it during the pandemic, when all of this was happening and everybody was in the house, being forced to watch content on TV, whether it be Netflix, you know, the WWE network, like anything, whenever a pay-per-view came, if you went on social media, guaranteed everybody Within the wrestling community, it didn't even matter what promotion it was, they were watching wrestling. And I attribute that to just the fact that this whole thing, this whole, this whole beast of an entertainment has evolved in so many levels. Cause I remember being enamored as a nine year old, but never like this. T- so now my, me being enamored is kind of like, okay, the storylines, but also the entertainment aspect of it. You just absolutely don't know who is going to show up or whatever. So for me, it's like, it's just like a, it's a world to escape basically. And as a nine-year-old, I remember escaping from whether it be school, you know, failing this test and, you know, being punished, but being able to watch a little bit of TV or even sneaking a creep in my door open just to watch, you know, whatever they were watching on TV um, as it pertains to wrestling. It's just it, it, I don't know what it is. It's just I don't think any wrestling um, fan can completely explain why we love it so much, why we like it so much. And even at, as a 40-plus a, a person, like it's like, I have to, I will be home on a Friday night. I will be home on a, on, on a Monday night, you know, even if, you know I think the show is not going to be that great. I am watching pay-per-view. It doesn't matter where I am. I'm sorry, I, do you have another room I could go to? And I have my iPad and I'm watching a pay-per-view. That's what it is. Mimi, I'm not shy about
1: the fact that you're one of my favorite people to interact with, especially in the,
0: too. Yeah,
1: in, the, in the wrestling space, especially online and what have you. There's just there's something about interacting with you. It's, it's, it's top shelf, as I call it. It's, it's, it's quality stuff whether it's a long conversation or just a short. Did you see that? This, there's a, there's a, a certain level of, I guess, quality would be the word, sophistication.
0: There's an aspect of this, this whole wrestling space that people think that. So <laughs> uh, somebody in the industry used this word. They said a prominent person, too. They said wrestling fans are pedestrian. We get our bad rap because of the type of people they think watch wrestling and for me my goal is always to change the narrative of what people think is right it's like oh wrestling fans are fat and they live in the basement of their mom's house and blah 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 while that may or may not be true no there are there are wrestling fans that have whole careers there are wrestling fans that are vps there are wrestling fans that Basically, have whole businesses. You know what I mean. And we'll tap out and and just watch this and be and and buy uh, uh, a a sweatshirt or a t shirt and wear it under a blazer or a suit. You know what I mean. And and so I just think that the narrative of what the wrestling fan looks like has changed drastically. You know, it used to be an all white type within the fan audience. It's not. You know, we have. Tons of black folks, brown folks, you know, loving to watch this and 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 being super successful commentating and and having successful podcasts and just being in that space like executives, just being in that space is completely different. And it's not the same anymore. It's not the boys club and people need to understand that. And I I personally feel like people need to act that way as well, like help change that narrative by. You know, speaking in a in a in full sentences and not just looking at it on a fandom basis, but more holistically on a business basis, sometimes bookings don't make sense, but take a step back away from the fact that you love this person and just be like, "You know what? maybe there's a reason this is happening." So let me finish. Let me wait and see
1: You, you said it in the beginning when when you were introducing yourself. What you bring to the table, some of the things, you, you know, in, in a senior executive assistant, a senior project manager, a community advocate, the things, and most importantly, a mother, the things that matter in your life and, and, and what your purpose is in life center around thinking on a broader scale than just what's in front of you you're trying to understand and make sense of and 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 improve upon the meaning behind things and why is it happening this way and how can we make it better and and how can that impact various populations long term so we we often get into that level of discussion including when we're when we're talking about pro wrestling and i find that so refreshing because a lot of people they can't keep up or whether they just don't realize that pro wrestling can can apply to other aspects of life. And it's all in there if you allow yourself to see it. Has your fandom changed as you've gotten older and you've gotten more experienced in your career and you started a family and what have you? Because I know who yes. you are today and I know what we talk about today. And, and again, it's, it's a lot about business advocacy, long-term solutions to, to very serious social issues. We talk about that. In the realm of pro wrestling, uh when you and I discussed things. Was it always like that though, or did you gradually move into that direction?
0: I think I gradually moved in that direction because um the one match that really got me back into wrestling and watching again was 2014, SummerSlam, Roman Reigns versus uh Randy Orton. I paid first of all, I paid sixty dollars for the for the pay-per-view. I had no clue. What the wwe network was back then my son kept asking me for it and i was like yeah yeah yeah, sure sure um he had his ipad and we had downloaded it and he was like but mom i need we need to pay we need to pay and i was just like what he said mom we have to buy it and i was like justin i don't know what this is let's just buy it off of the cable so i paid the sixty dollars for it so then um Once I paid the 60 bucks, I watched the pay-per-view and I was like, wow, like this match is super technical. I didn't know who Randy Orton was. I didn't know who Roman Reigns was and Roman Reigns was. And so my son was next to me and he was just giving, he was just schooling me, telling me all the things that happened. He, you know, talked about evolution. He talked all uh, about all these things. Right. So I'm like, okay. And he talked about Seth Rollins, but Seth hadn't come on as of yet. And, you know, I'm just, I'm just getting a a little bit of a a schooling right by this nine-year-old at the time. And then Brock Lesnar versus John Cena came on. And mind you, I had, I knew who John Cena was, but I really didn't really see him wrestle or anything like that. Like, even though he was watching wrestling at, at that age, I didn't, um, I wasn't really watching it with him. I would just like look and 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 keep cooking or whatever I was doing at the time. Up until the SummerSlam. The beating that Brock Lesnar gave um John Cena, my son lost it. Cried, hollered. I hate him. He's just a mercenary. He's only here for the money. John Cena loves this. Why did they let him do like? literally gives me goosebumps as I talk about it. Right. And so that his reaction was like, wait a minute. And so I remembered while I wasn't into um, wrestling during those um, kind of like teen college days, you know, starting, you know, to be a mom days uh, when he went to sleep as a baby, I would, I was watching, you know, the McMahon versus Stone Cold. And that's why I love Stone Cold so much because during that time of being a single mom, folding laundry, I was watching that that storyline at that point, right? Um, with The Rock and all this and, you know, um, who's on whose side, all of this, the, the McMahon family drama, all of it. And so it, I don't even know when I stopped watching at that point. Um, but then, you know, life happens and then now fast forward, it's 2014 and, you know, the whole landscape has changed. So, and then going back, I apologize, going back during the time when, you know, it was college high school, I find out, you know, it comes out with the steroid stuff and then it comes out that it's, it's not real, right? It's, it's just, it's, it's fake. The storylines are fake. Everything is fake because as a, as a child, This was real to me, you know, seeing uh, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat get yoked up by Jake the Snake or get a pummeling by another superstar was just like, I used to cry, like, because I felt like this was real worried about him to the next wrestling show the next Saturday, I used to worry, I used to worry when um, Hulk Hogan, uh, before he was a racist, so and so, I used to worry about him after he got pummeled or whatever, or it felt like his back—he had broke his back or something. You know what I mean? And so now, fast forward, as now I'm a mo- now I'm a mom, right? Deep into my career, um, really contributing to a business and understanding and watching content a little bit differently—not just watching it for face value, but really understanding. Okay, what is this story really trying to tell at this moment? So looking at him react to that. I was, like, as a mom, you never want to see your kid cry, especially a boy. When they cry, like, I always taught my son, I don't care what it is. You feel a certain kind of way, you let it out. You know, we'll deal with whatever it is later, whether you're in school or not. You put your emotions out there. And he put his emotions on the line after that match. And so I had to watch it the next day. I watched his promo, um, John's promo you know, never really heard Brock speak. So I didn't really know who he was. And so the hatred I had for him for making my son feel like like that, for me, like I was in this full blown fan mode. And so then, you know, as time progressed, watching John kind of like be the guy, but still have a control over the crowd was like, wait, what's happening? I never saw this before. And so then watching Brock come out and them putting everything in their power behind him. And he never lost to anybody. And just understanding, like, who is this guy? Like, how dare he come in and just beat up my, my son's favorite? Like, how dare he? You know, same thing when um, Kevin Owens came over, you know, he came over. And 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 beat John Cena on his first night on Raw as NXT champion. Who the hell is he beating up the univer the 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 US ty- beating the US um championship? Like, who is he? So I had to take a step back and be like, wait, there's gotta be a reason why some of this stuff is happening. There's gotta be. And so then I go onto the WWE network, I mean the WWE shop.com shout out to those folks and just kind of like seeing, cause now he wants wrestling shirts. So now I'm all in. So I'm buying him shirts and I'm buying me shirts. And then, so I'm seeing, okay, this person's shirt is more money than that person's shirts. I wonder why. Oh, they have some legend stuff going into the legends piece of it. Oh, this legend shirt is more than that person's shirt. Hmm. That's interesting. This shirt, Is a little bit nicer than this shirt oh this person has like three different designs I wonder okay there's there's something else here like production is different everything is different oh this is a listen business like this is not this is not just Saturday night campy camp this is merch everything and above and sure they probably did have merch back in the day but being from a Caribbean family, my mother was not paying $60 for somebody's pay-per-view and she was not buying me wrestling merch. I was a girl and I need to, needed to dress like a girl, but I liked boy stuff as a girl. You know what I mean? So now I'm looking at the business whole completely together. And then now I find the dirt sheet section of the wrestling community. And so I'm reading and I'm like, yeah. And then I'm reading this one. I'm like, yeah. And then I'm reading that one. I'm like, "Mm -hmm. I don't know about that. That's not what I saw. The first dirt sheet that I read was Cage size Seats. The first dirt sheet that I couldn't stand is Cage size Seats. Because it showed me that they didn't really see the business. They were full in on it, full in, completely in on the fandom and not why certain things needed to happen. And so it, that's what changed it for me. My son, his reaction of feeling, you know, behind all of this. And that's their motto. We want to make people feel. Well, every week I feel. When you're able to care so much, when you're able to
1: get so wrapped up into something that, like you said, you, from, from week to week, you are genuinely concerned. Is that person going to be okay? And especially as a young person growing yep. up, um, I, I remember exactly what you mean when you when you talked about uh, Brock beating the heck out of John Cena. I mean, I, I believe he split his 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 head. Was it? his yep. I know he did it to Orton as well, but I think he bu- I know he busted John Cena open mm. and it wasn't a blade job. No, he just he just cracked him so hard that he busted him open. Yeah. And for a kid, that must have been traumatic to see.
0: Oh, my God. Oh my God, yeah. he was, cro- I mean, tears. It took him, so um, my son and I were very much into content. Like now we watch, he'll come in once in a while if there if a pay-per-view is happening, he'll come in and he'll sit with me for like maybe 20 minutes. And then there'll be that one match that just didn't need to be on the pay-per-view. And he'll be like, all right, I'm done. You know what I mean? Like, no, 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 come back. He was like, he'll say, just call me for the main event. Call me when Roman comes out or whatever. And so to see him like cry like that, it was like, holy, like, oh my God, like, relax, like, it's okay. Um, And going back to the content situation, now I remember what I was going to, the point I was going to make. We watched, we had a movie party for him for his birthday. When he was little, we used to celebrate half birthdays because he was born, he's born on January 19th and it always snowed on his birthday, like, blizzard, like today. And so his birthday parties used to like 75% of them got canceled. So we, we used to celebrate half birthday. So June was his half birthday. And so we did a a movie party and we saw a Toy Story three. And let me tell you when my, me and my son are like, when I, I teach my son, if you're going to like something, you got to tell me why you like it. And so he, at that point, Toy Story 3 came out, and that was the really emotional Toy Story 3 when Andy goes to school, right? And it was just, it was emotional. It took us, like, 10 minutes to stop crying in the movie theater. Like, our party was just like, okay, the movie's over. This is how it was when this whole match happened. He, it took me a good 10 to 15 minutes for him to stop crying. Growing up, I did not know
1: that it was a work until the Ultimate Warrior defeated Hulk Hogan. And, you know, Hulk Hogan didn't lose. So for him to lose that match, I'm like, oh my God. Like I thought he was he, he was going to die. Mm-hmm. Bald my eyes out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we had, you know, friends of my father over the house and what have you. And everyone was laughing. And they're like, what's wrong with you? It's fake. He's not going to die. And I was looking around, and it's like, damn, everybody's laughing at me. And I'm like, you realize my hero just got beat? Right. Like, this is the end of the world. Right. And But the crazy part is, once I processed and understood that, oh, he's not really dead, then I was like, oh, I don't know if I like this. Mm. I don't know if I like feeling so much for this this person on T V to the point where if something happens to them that I'm having this this you know meltdown, this breakdown, that's not okay. Yeah. So so that moment actually drove me to being more of a Ric Flair fan because Ooh. Ric Flair lost all the time. He was a champion and he would lose and then he would say, I didn't really lose, I'll get the belt back, and what have the, the the difference between Hogan and Flair was that Flair was more relatable because he was a real person. Whereas Hulk Hogan was this this larger than life superhero that I couldn't even see myself in that. I just knew that I loved this superhero. Yeah. But again, the superhero lost. And I literally thought that the world was going to end. And the response to that from everybody else around me was literally laughing at me like I was crazy. So that was it. That was it. That, that changed oh, wow. my perspective. But interestingly enough, that, that got me more into understanding creative and understanding the business aspect of wrestling. Because it's like, well, you know, after a while, it's like, well, that was actually pretty clever that you were able to get me so emotionally invested. You know, what else is going on? Yeah. So, yeah. but it, but it's just those moments, though. So I know you, I, I say all of that just to say I, every, what you just said about your son, how he felt when he saw John Cena get beat down like that, and we're literally talking blood. My oh, goodness, nope. I, I it just I get chills even thinking about that because nope. I relate. I get yeah. it one hundred percent, and that to a certain degree is pretty traumatic. Yeah, I mean
0: right? to the point where I mean. He was so, like, till this day, he loves John Cena. Like, till this day. When John came back, he watched for a little bit. Like, love, love, love. When he, in the fifth grade, he wanted to be John Cena. He did not want me to get, because, you know, there's two types of costumes at Party City. There's a regular one, and there's one with the muscle one. They did not have the muscle one in my town. I had to drive. I drove an hour and a half away to the Party City warehouse to get this John Cena costume for Halloween that was the next day. That's how much, like, when kids are into it and you've got a WWE mom, which is a, which is a market I feel like they did not tap into. There are WWE moms out there that will do anything for their kids to get them what they need to get. And so for me, I felt like marketing, the guy, period, the guy, quote, unquote, Seth Rollins was never the guy because he didn't really sell like that. Like he, the kids are what sells like the moms are what buy are who buys like you sell to the kid and the mom buys. Right. And so for me, John Cena was the full package, the modern day Hulk Hogan, you know, to some degree, you know, and um, the colors, everything. That's when at that point, I feel like I was working, I just started understanding what brand marketing was. And I started to relate to both of them. Like, so if I would ever go back <laughs> to my tweets in 2014, 15, I know I used branding and marketing in my tweets because it was, I was in the mix of it, understanding what experiential marketing was. And this was an experience. John Cena was an experience like fully, holistically, and financially he was. So for that, you know, that, that tr- completely like that even made the love of the business like grow stronger in my opinion. Like no matter how sucky sometimes the shows would be, it wouldn't even matter because I would understand where it was coming from. See, again, top
1: shelf, top shelf analysis, top shelf discussion. Uh, just just really good stuff. I, I want to throw something at you that mm-hmm. I know that you spent a lot of time not only within your your personal life and your professional life, but also looking at it through the lens of pro wrestling. Two words that are so misunderstood, and so many people are either utilizing them incorrectly because – they're trying to be deceptive or they're utilizing them incorrectly because they they legitimately do not understand them at all. Mm-hmm. Diversity and inclusion. So we live in a society today in which more than ever people are speaking up about diversity and inclusion, having especially within workplaces, having a workplace in which there is equal opportunity, regardless of of race, sex, gender, and taking it a step further, recreating the workplace to reflect a multitude of races, sexes, genders, sexual orientation, religions, what have you. Having something that is more inclusive, because we know that there is no race, no sex, no gender, that has a monopoly on information or, uh, ability to do anything, you know, no, just because you're, you're, you're purple and from Mars, that doesn't mean that you can, uh, win every episode of jeopardy. Mm -hmm. It doesn't work that way. (laughs) Right. So, so this is a hot button issue, uh, throughout the world and in society. And, Mm -hmm. In pro wrestling, it's turned into a a major hot button issue, especially as uh, all elite wrestling has come on the scene because they have marketed the fact that they were going to lead with making sure they have an inclusive environment that is pro diversity and inclusion. Unfortunately, the equity hasn't been there. Nope. And a lot of folks have started doing interesting things like saying well come on man there's there's X amount of black people there's X amount of uh, of, of Asians you know the, and, and so they're, they're counting numbers or so they're saying no. well hey hey there's a lot of women in there and, and that's
0: diversity <laughs> that's not equity or inclusion so so talk to me about that I
1: mean first and foremost why does it matter why does pro wrestling this entertainment medium can't we just watch it without having to bring up all of this diversity stuff and making it about uh, gender equality and all this. Like, can't we just watch wrestling and and not
0: have to worry about these no. things? Why does it matter so much? It matters because the landscape of the audience has changed. You know, historically, this was a white sport. This was a white entertainment sport. This was um, the owners were all it's like, you know, the the National Football League. It's old money. Um, Well, it's only one person, right? So old money um, built it from the ground up. What an amazing story um, uh, WWE WWF is, Um, you know, started from a a dollar and now is this global phenomenon. Like I've always been, you know, fascinated by the brand story of the WWE and um, they never had diversity really, you know? Junkyard Dog, Coco Beware, Kamala, the Wild Samoans, Jimmy Snuka, to to name a few in that time, right? And so while we did see Junkyard Dog a little bit more, but not like it wasn't tangible, right? And so now we've got more fans coming out that are people of color, loving professional wrestling. Now the landscape is so mixed and and, and, and so diverse because that's what diversity is. Diversity is having to check every single group to say, okay, I've made my 33.3 around across the whole pie, right? A- equity was never really a thing. So did we see Coco Beware? In the main event, not all the time. I want to say Junkyard Dog, while being in the forefront, he really, what he didn't have, like the big opportunities really like that, you know? So then we are trained that this is what it is. This person is just a mid Carter, right? Now we have talent that is not just, it's not campy anymore. It's straight athleticism and they have the ability to entertain holistically. So their definition is a superstar. Like they can stand between they can stand in front of their white counterparts. Ie Biggie. He's got the build, he's got the the speech, he's got the the athleticism like he is the total package the new day total package and they hit marketing right but they're not g- given the, the the right they're not being included in the big picture the money picture like last last night somebody said why don't they get opportunity, get those opportunities why doesn't E get the opportunities that everybody else is getting right now why has he taken the back seat and i said which I winded up taking back after my show, I said, well, there's too much money in the ring right now for them to pay attention to Biggie, not necessarily in that way, but kind of like there's too much money and implying that Biggie's not money. No, Biggie's not being afforded the opportunity or the treatment to be able to show that he is money. And that's why it's super important that even if you check off the diversity box, you have to check off the equality, um, equity box and the inclusion box to be able to include. And at some point we kind of felt like, oh my God, from last year, from Bianca Belair winning the Royal Rumble, the eve of Black History Month was just like, oh my God, they've officially taken the turn. They've officially turned the corner when it comes to inclusion and equity. And they showed it, they kept the ride, they showed the ride until, for the whole year, until SummerSlam. And that's when you remember what happened back in the day. All of those feelings come back. And then you're like, wait, what just happened? What just happened? So while, you know, people are still upset about that whole situation and it's more, I think people are more so looking at it as, oh, not necessarily a black or white thing, but it feels like a black or white thing. Because at the end of the day, Becky wasn't, she wasn't here for a whole year. And this, she showed, Bianca showed that she is a star, that she can be given all the flowers all the opportunities everything and now all of a sudden in 26 seconds like this happens how what where and when then you talk about AEW where it's like oh they have black wrestlers oh they do this oh yeah but they also have a show that they don't even put on primetime tv they have a show that you got to go on the internet to look me The reason why I don't really know who certain people are in NXT UK and and NXT in the beginning is because I knew that I had to log on to an extra different, you know, platform in the middle of the week, in the middle of my busy week to find out who the next person is or this other random show. You put all your Black folk on that show. How are they supposed to know who they are? You're not giving them an opportunity, or if you do give them an opportunity, um, Powerhouse Hobbs, you wind up having some random guy that can't even lick his boots, beat him on primetime TV. It just doesn't make sense.
1: We've noticed in the past five years, there have been more women in the main event. There have been more people of color who have been the world champion in the WWE. That goes for the the men and the women. And they're continuing to post record profits. Now, we we look at AEW and, and, you know, in fairness, they've only been around for three years now. But in that time, they still haven't been able to turn a profit. And they literally are presenting the least amount of women's wrestling on a week-to-week basis on television and pay-per-view. And they're literally presenting the least amount of equitable diversity at the top of their cards. Do you think that's a coincidence or do you think that there's something to when you you display more equitable diversity and certainly WWE is far from perfect, but when you display it more, you put yourself in a position to make more money as opposed to when you're lacking completely in that area. Yes. Do you think the money correlates with the presentation?
0: I think the money to some degree, does correlate to the presentation. Because once you show presentation, um, people are likely to invest in you. So people are likely to, you know, if they don't have um, TV, to pay for that other subscription to watch your pay-per-view or um, buy the merch or whatever, whatever. Because they kind of feel like, okay, this seems a little bit more inclusive than... Um, that other thing I personally feel like It's all about fan base as well It's all about the You know, it's all about The type of people that you're Trying to market to I feel like AEW is not trying to Market to the WWE um, audience If they were trying to do that Which I think people would probably Say that they are If they were trying to do that They would assimilate they would acclimate is is probably the word I want to use. They would acclimate to the environment. They would make sure that they're hitting all the notes and genuinely hitting all the notes because I don't understand why they have somebody of color who claims to be a, a chief brand officer, but is not really seeing this. Like what's on TV is not being shown in what they're saying. Like the words don't seem to match the action, and so for me, I kind of feel like and and just putting her on dark to wrestle on dark, it, it doesn't mean anything. I think I think they don't have quality people in their um, executive in their executive suites to to see things for what they are, for what they are, to have that eye to say, you know what, you probably shouldn't say that. This is how we need to probably pivot we need to come up with a better strategy to fix this problem cuz we genuinely have a problem and so until we fix this problem until we acknowledge that we're not doing what we're probably supposed to be doing because you said <laughs> they said that this this promotion was supposed to be for everybody for the the the, the it's supposed to encompass everything that the wrestling community wants and part of the wrestling community is African-American, is brown, is every single nation that you could possibly imagine, okay? And you are not catering to these people. So you're not encompassing at all. And then when you want to show a little something, then you want to pull the rug up under somebody's, somebody's um, um, feet, you know, right when you have momentum, right when you're like, everybody's like, oh my God, oh, oh, this is it. It's not, you know? It's, it's just not, and I just, I don't watch the product enough to fully, fully um, comment on it, but the little bit that I can say is they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. They're just not. Top-shelf conversation. Like I keep telling
1: you, folks, that's, that's what you get out of Mimi, and that's why she's one of my favorite people to discuss uh, wrestling and general life with because, you know, she definitely has a take well-defined, has a lot of artifacts to put in there in order to help you understand her point. And most importantly, she makes absolute sense. I love it. I love it. Listen, Mimi, do you have anything Anytime. to plug or, or, you know, any, any website, social media? What if, what if there's anyone listening right now that'd like to keep up with you and, you know, collaborate with you in the future?
0: Well, you know, you guys could always find me on Twitter. I'm always on Twitter, right? Because that's where I kind of feel like I could be myself. My fate. you and I follow each other on Facebook, but you see that it's two different people. Like what I put on Facebook is not what I put um, on uh, on Twitter. So you can find me at Twitter at I am Mimi Shells on Tuesdays at 7 p.m. I am a part of this amazing panel of people on Turnbuckle Spaces, at Turnbuckle Spaces. We have a space every Tuesday at 7, um, running down all things wrestling. And on Fridays at 10 p.m. directly after uh, SmackDown, you can also find us on Spaces, uh, just uh, doing previews on the next pay-per-view and uh, whatever has happened uh, between Tuesday and and friday and so and tomorrow night we will be on actually not tomorrow night tonight it's always funny how um i always forget sometimes pay-per-views are on saturdays and sometimes they're on sundays but i'm so used to them being on sundays um tonight we'll be having a uh an after party after the royal rumble uh to see and talk about all the action
1: before i let you go maybe i gotta ask because as we record this there is a major blizzard, a major nor'easter oh. happening here in Boston. And I know that where you are, you're getting a piece of uh, some of this. Although, yes. You know, I'm, I'm going to be knocking on the door for 30 inches total. I think you're going to you're going to top out just under a foot. You probably get about what, eight inches over
0: there. Eight. Yep. Eight to ten is what they're predicting.
1: So what is your I want you to put your mom hat back on now. OK. What is your 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 go to thing after I've been outside shoveling in the cold, you know, I'm, I'm dealing with the wind, I'm dealing with the snow, I'm sweating, but I'm also freezing. So when I come inside, you know, most people, they, they their body is in a position where they may catch a cold because they're dealing with so much. Difference in, in in hot, cold, and freezing, and warm, and all this other foolishness here. So, what am I eating? What am I eating to to kind of keep me even, and hopefully help protect me from getting sick after being outside for hours shoveling?
0: First of all, I'm not eating. <laughs> I'm not eating after shoveling like that. Mm-mm. I'm not. I can't eat. I probably can't sleep. I need a drink, and that's a shot of tequila. <laughs> i can't eat Mm-mm, not after that Mm-mm.
1: okay all right so so then let's let's stay with this for a second here all right so we're gonna we're gonna put the food down we're gonna just you know take a shot of tequila <laughs> so what's your favorite shot of tequila how, how do you get it ready to give me give me give me the whole motions here from the beginning so we're back in the house mm-hmm. you got your bottle of what
0: vulcan blanco it is so smooth um, it's uh, distributed by Moet Hennessy, and it is so smooth. It's amazing. I grab an old-fashioned glass. I put a, a cute, one cube of ice, and I pour, and I take a shot.
1: There you have it, folks. So for anyone who is braving the, the, the crazy uh, weather out there, especially if you're stuck in a, a snowstorm or a blizzard like myself, when you get in, after you've you've cleaned yourself up, Get yourself a a shot of Blanco tequila, which the name of it again is what? Vulcan? Vulcan. Yep. Oh, Vulcan. Okay. Okay. There it is. There it is. Again, top shelf. What a surprise. Top shelf here. Listen, Mimi, appreciate you. Thank you very much uh,
0: for having just such a wonderful conversation here on Duke Loves Wrestling. Yay. Well, thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure. We always have a good time, whether it be on text, on Twitter, on Facebook. It's always a good time with you. So I appreciate your invitation and I hope to be back soon.
1: What an awesome conversation there. Once again, thank you so much to Mimi. She's just fantastic. Like I said, she's one of my favorite people to touch base with and, and talk about wrestling, talk about life. Just a really, really sharp person who has great perspective. And what do I always say? Top shelf, right? When I talk about top shelf, I'm talking about high quality stuff. I'm not talking about that that nonsense, you know, like flavored malt beverage nonsense. I'm talking top shelf. You heard what she said, take a shot of tequila. Put yourself in a position where you are viewing life from a lens that is a little more mature, that is a little more serious, that does consider something more important than just what's in front of you, right? Because even within pro wrestling, I mean, there's a lot of things that apply to general life. And pro wrestling certainly is affected by general life. So you heard it all there. I mean, what what more can I say? That was, that was fantastic. And we'll definitely have Mimi back on the show in the not-too-distant future because she just has great perspective. And I'm going to keep conversations like this going because I think it's important for us to really take a step back and consider... And understand the diversity within pro wrestling. And I know that some knucklehead is going, oh, he's so only doing this with Black History Month. Let me tell you something. Every time I do this show, I am living black history. I'm a black man who owns his own podcast. I don't have some some wrestler or some website or some overlord in the back pulling my strings. It's me. This is my joint, right? So when we talk about all of the issues that get tackled on this show day in, day out for nearly six straight years, this is all par for the course, right? But I keep bringing it up and I keep attacking it from different angles because I will not let up on the pressure, okay? I want people to consider this because in my opinion, there is a certain degree of respect and honor that the pro wrestling community deserves, right? Because there are some respectful and respectable and honorable people within the community. So instead of us constantly highlighting the people who are less than all of those, those accolades, let's highlight some of the folks who absolutely knock it out of the park like Mimi does. So, that's what we're here for. You better believe it, baby. Top shelf. Duke loves wrestling on Facebook, on Twitter, Duke loves wrestling at gmail.com. Let me know what you think. Uh, if you are someone who would like to be a guest on the show, by all means, reach out. Let me know. If you are a wrestler or even a, a listener and you take issue with anything I have to say, let me know. Of course, listen, I take all comers, okay? That's what we're here to do. Until next time, be kind to yourselves and be kind to others. Take it away, Tony Schiavone. This is Tony Schiavone, and we're desperately out of time on Duke Love Wrestling.